Good morning, everyone. Thank you. This general vicinity, that was a very enthusiastic good morning. Hey, um, so good to see you. Whether you are here in person or whether you're joining us online, welcome. Um, On behalf of our elders and our staff, my name is Kondo. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. And uh, we are so glad uh, to have you. If you're a guest with us, you chose a fantastic Sunday to come. And I just want to say ahead of time, excuse us if we get a little extra hype. Uh, we tend to get that way on Sundays where baptism is involved. And uh, we tend to get that way for, for good reason. Um, baptism Sundays are this epic reminder of what this whole church thing is all about. Seeing Jesus transform people from death to life and inviting us to be a part of that mission. We get a little extra hype about that. And um, we are additionally hyped, by the way, this morning, because not only do we get to experience some baptisms and be reminded what this whole thing is about, but we get to share with you a way in which Jesus Christ is inviting us as a church to take the next step in being part of seeing people transformed from death to life in him. But more on that a little bit Later, Hey, if you have a copy of the Bible, we are going to get right to work. Matthew chapter 28, one of the most well-known passages of scripture, a passage in which we get to be reminded what this whole thing is about. Because if baptism gives us an excuse to do anything, it's to focus on what this whole thing is about. And since we're doing throwback baptism, we thought, hey, we might as well throw back to the main reason that the church lives and breathes and exists. So again, uh, Matthew chapter 28, if you have a copy of the Bible, meet me there. If not, the the verses will appear up on the screen. If not, you're watching it um, online, the verses will appear on your screen there as well. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, uh, starting at verse number 16. Here's what it says. Then the 11 disciples um, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So Jesus has risen from the dead because he did that one time. And uh, he's about to go back to heaven for a little while. And before he does that, he calls this mountaintop meeting with his closest followers, his inner Circle to give them some final instructions before he leaves. Man, my guess is as they meet him on the mountaintop, they're a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious, a little bit scared, they're a little bit unsure. Jesus wasn't the most popular guy at that particular point in time. Matter of fact, they had killed him because they didn't like him. And so now he's inviting them to meet him on this public mountain. I'm guessing they're a little bit anxious. They're a little bit unsure. In fact, I don't have to guess that last part because Matthew just straight up tells us verse 17. When they saw him, Jesus, the risen savior, they all worshiped him. But some doubted. When Jesus shows up at this meeting place, all his followers bow down. I would imagine. But some of them had doubts. They weren't too sure. This is such a great verse. 
I love this verse. I don't know about you. I love this verse. They worshipped him, but some doubted. I love that Matthew was kind enough to throw that verse in the Bible. Because I don't know what you've heard, but you need to know there is room for your doubt in the family of Jesus. I love that. He's not threatened by your (laughs) uncertainties. He's not intimidated by your questions. Matter of fact, his OG army of followers was made up of some people who just weren't entirely sure about this whole Jesus thing. There were aspects of the Jesusness that they just weren't entirely sure about. I'm just saying, you don't have to be sure about everything to follow Jesus. Don't let fake church people who pretend they have no questions. They have it all figured out. They know exactly how fish were multiplied and how Jesus rolled the stone from the inside. They have all the... Don't let that keep you at a distance. I'm telling you, there is room for your questions. Don't wait until all of your questions are answered and your doubt is resolved before you bow down and follow after Jesus like his original movement. Verse 18, then Jesus said to them, this is such a great opener. All authority in heaven And on earth has been given to me. Woo! What a way to start a mountainside meeting. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So anyway, uh, I don't want to to brag or anything, but um, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I pull rank. You're the boss of what, Jesus? Well, technically... If it's, um, if it's on earth, anywhere, also, if it's outside of the earth, yeah, I'm in charge of all of it. I love this declaration. This is the thing I find myself saying to my kids every now and then, and then I just like ugh, shake my head because I cannot believe how much I sound like my father, but I'll do it anyway. Um. I'll say uh, fatherly things like this. Um, As long as you live under my roof, you live by my rules, I'll say. Um, And then I'll go into a quiet room and just shake my head like I cannot believe I just, I did. I did say it. I sound just like my father. I'll even add sometimes, you know, for bonus. Now, when you own your own house, <laughs> someday, and my kids are happy about this. How soon can we own our own houses? I like the sooner the better, but whatever. As soon as you own your own house, you can make up your own rules. But until then, my house, my rules. This is kind of what Jesus is saying to his followers. <laughs> everything in heaven and everything on earth is my house. Therefore, what I say goes. Now, when y'all want to create your own universe, feel free. When you want to rise from the dead and conquer sin, death, and all of that, feel free. But in the meantime, all authority is mine. No one, nothing in heaven or on earth gets to argue with what I decide. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given 
to me. Woo! This is good. For those of us who've grown up in the church, I think we've heard this passage so many times that so much of its beauty just gets lost or gets overly familiar. But come on, this is a powerful scene that Matthew is painting. And by the way, if we had time, we would just revel in this glorious thought. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm like, huh? When? Because we would talk about the fact that God the Son... The third member of the Trinity has always had all authority in heaven and on earth. What do you mean it's been given to you? If we had time, we would talk about the fact that God, the son of man though, this is a powerful statement. And you notice Jesus said all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's the first time he's been able or has at least publicly made this declaration. I I wish we had time. And I'll remind you that when God the Son came to earth and became Jesus the Son of Man, he laid aside his full exercise to the rights of being God. In fact, he voluntarily made himself subject to all kinds of other authorities, such as his body. He made himself subject to our body. He was limited by his flesh, by choice. He made himself subject to the laws of nature. Jesus got cold. He got goosebumps. He made himself subject to human authorities. Where he would obey what the government said or be willing to face the consequences of it. He became subject to all kinds of laws and all kinds of limitations. He got hungry every now and then. One time he even made himself subject to death. Wow. Oh, but when he rose from the dead... All of that changed. God said to Jesus, congratulations, you did it. You are no longer subject to anything. Everything is now subject to you, son of man. Woo! I don't know if you knew this, but a man runs the universe now. That wasn't true before, but when he rose from the dead, now a man sits on the throne with all authority in heaven and on earth. A man, y'all, he ate fish. He has scars. When you see Jesus, he'll have a body and scars. He understands exactly what it feels like to be tempted like you are. That's who's now saying all authority has been given to me, son of God now, and son of man. I run things around here. This is a powerful scene, by the way. Wish we had time to talk more about this. But go see Jeff Gill. He'll teach you all the depths and nuances of this. But here's the thing. (laughs) If this is true, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and he's really in charge then can I just say that what he is about to say 
is a direct order from the highest authority. Matter of fact, it is a direct order of the highest priority from the highest office. Don't ever read Matthew chapter 28, this thing we call the Great Commission, and forget who's speaking and the authority that is backing these words. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking y'all. All authority doesn't make suggestions. I issue orders. And I'm telling you, this is what ought to take priority in your lives from this day forward. All authority has been given to me. I don't know how you've treated this passage, but it's not a recommendation. Jesus is not asking you if you see fit. He's not asking you if you can find it in your heart to fit him into your schedule. He's not asking you if you think it's a good idea what he's about to say. He is giving an order for his people to live by as a matter of priority. I don't know how you've read this passage in the past, if you've read it before. But Jesus is letting us know what ought to matter most to us before he heads off to heaven. This is what we are ultimately going to measure our lives against. And this has just wrecked me because I'll tell you what, the most important things Jesus has to say are not always the things that sell the best or sound the best in a church service. It's like, ah, why can we talk about something more fun and more interesting and more motivating and inspiring? And yet the spirit of God would want to reinvite the church, align yourselves with the authority of Jesus and what he said should matter the most to you, which is what Jesus is doing in this section of scripture. As the one in charge of it all, I'm telling you what ought to matter most for you. Verse 19, therefore, here it is. Go and make disciples of all nations. Call everyone to life in me. Um, I'm going to allow you to go to so many different places, some of you different places around the world. I'm going to open doors for you to travel to different you know, areas of my globe. Your communities, your cities, your, your, your counties, your, your country, different continents. As you go to the different places where you are going to get to go, As a matter of priority, make disciples. Invite everyone everywhere to find life in me. Everywhere you go, you are going to run into people just like you. Who are part of this grand story that every single one of us has messed up. Every single one of us has sinned against a holy God. Making us spiritually dead. Separating us from God. And earning us a sentence of suffering forever 
and ever. That is the reality of every single person on the planet. We've sinned and our sin has separated us from God. And it's earned us a sentence of suffering forever and ever and ever. And there is nothing we can do to fix it. Jesus, help us. Because I'm telling you, we've become numb to this incredibly dreadful news. There is no more dreadful news on the planet than that. That people live separated from God and are heading to an eternity of suffering. But Jesus, though, which is one of the reasons we get super hype on a Sunday like this. Because but Jesus, though, We know that that's not the end of the story. We know that there happens to be the best news ever. That Jesus has fixed what humanity could not fix. He's made it possible for sinners separated from God and destined for suffering to be saved. This is what we often refer to as the gospel, the good news, which I think sadly has just become eh, the news in the church context. The good news, by the way, that Jesus lived the perfect life that we couldn't. You should try. You can do it. I can't do it. Jesus had to do it for us. He lived the perfect life that we couldn't. And then he died the sinner's death that we should have died. But again, like we like to say around here, he's fine. On the third day, he rose from the dead, having conquered our sin and having conquered death and having conquered eternal suffering. So that he can now freely offer forgiveness. And he can freely and fully set us free from the fear of eternal suffering. So that he could fix the separation that existed between us and God. And he is willing to do that for anybody who would simply ask him. That is the best news ever. Spiritually dead people can come to life in Jesus by simply asking. If someone invites them, shares the message of the gospel with them. I love this. This is Jesus making the declaration. I've done all the work. I've done it. Y'all couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. Your family members, your co-workers, the barista who you get your coffee from, they couldn't do it. But I have done all the work to make it possible for sin to be fully forgiven and the relationship and separation to be fixed and suffering to be removed. I've done all the work. They just need to accept it by faith. And now, with all authority, I'm telling you, go and invite Everyone, everywhere, along your path to find life in me. Make disciples. Um, When this church launched uh, 10 or so years ago, we were haunted by the reality that 50,000 people in our county of then 70,000 people considered themselves unchurched. Hmm. 
that shook us. Tens of thousands of women, men, and kids who likely were living separated from God, dead in their sin, and heading to an eternity of suffering. Tens of thousands in our own backyard. And that was the reality. We knew something had to be done. We knew we had to do something about that. Thankfully, we didn't have to guess what that was. The spiritual crisis in our own county met with the priority mandate from the lips of Jesus. And we knew exactly what we had to do. It was really just about a movement awakening in our county that was willing to take Jesus at his order and share life with the people in our community. We knew Jesus wants to awaken this place to life in him, but it will require a movement of followers who take this message and invite folks to life. And we wanted to be a movement that said, yes, would you please sign us up for that? Because listen, the reality is the difference between spiritual life and death for your co-workers and the people you sit next to at school and your family members is whether or not you are willing to, to, to obey the mandate of Jesus to offer life to them. I wonder, by the way, how many people in this county have received the invitation to life because you obeyed the mandate that Jesus says this is what the church should be about. Man, this is convicting for me because I have made so many other things of greater priority than the fact that people are spiritually dying and the one with all authority has said invite them to life. I want to awaken them. But I'm inviting you to be a part of that. And so, um, for us, this has been a priority and continues to be. And we are super excited for the ways that we believe Jesus is continuing to invite us to do this even more and more and more. If you're not sharing this incredible message, I'm telling you, you are missing the main reason you woke up this morning. And people in our county are missing an opportunity to meet the person of Jesus. And oh, by the way, you are disregarding a direct order from the highest authority. We want to be a part of what he's doing, not just in this county, but beyond it, wherever he opens doors for us to go. So we love this morning because we get to celebrate with some people who heard the invitation to life and said yes to it and are now alive in him. Verse 19, therefore, he says, go and make disciples of all nations. And here it is, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Um, The the word baptize. Just means to immerse or to submerge. Um, towards the end of the service, we are going to experience that together. And uh, for a couple of folks, they're going to get up here in these old school containers. And we are going to immerse their heads beneath the water as far as we can. 
And then we're going to bring them back out. Great news in and of itself. When they come up out of the water, they will have been baptized. That's all baptism means. It's immersion. (laughs) Jesus is saying, as a matter of priority, I want you to invite people to life. And then I want you to immerse them in water. Huh? Why? Why would that matter enough for Jesus to put that in his final marching orders? Um, A couple of reasons. Number one, baptism is, is a physical picture of the spiritual experience of going from death to life. Death to life. It's this beautiful Picture The old me was spiritually dead and separated from God. But that all changed when I trusted Jesus for life. Now I'm forgiven. Now I'm free from the fear of what lies beyond the grave. The new me is now fully alive. It's a picture of I used to be, but then I met Jesus. Now I'm alive, fully forgiven, set free. And headed to forever and ever and ever with him. Baptism is a physical picture of the old dying. That's the immersion. And then the new coming to life. But baptism is more than just a physical picture. Baptism is also a public proclamation. That Jesus Christ brought me from death to life and now I live to follow after him. It's a public declaration. Jesus is my savior and I am his follower. It's beautiful. It's this powerful, powerful thing. Oh, I want to make sure it's not a secret. I follow Jesus. Here is my public announcement of allegiance to the person of Jesus Christ. Man, in a context where, again, Jesus wasn't very popular, there was risk and danger to even speaking the name of Jesus. He stands on a mountain and says, I want you all to baptize people. I want you to tell them to go public with what I've done in their life. This would have been a high risk proposition. Baptism was this bold identifying with Jesus no matter the risk, no matter the reputation. I am following the one who forgave me. I'm standing with the one who stood for me on that cross. Jesus is saying, I want you to tell people if they're going to follow me, go public with it. If they're going to follow me, let the world know. Baptism is Jesus saying, I am not interested in secret followers. I am not interested in being your little side savior. Like show me off. Take me places. If you're really my follower, be super loud and public about it. Baptism. Invite people to life and then call them to be bold about it. I don't have any secret followers. 
hush hush or down low, you know, Christianity is not a thing biblically. In fact, Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me in front of people, I'll be ashamed of you on that day in front of my angelic entourage. You can't follow Jesus and turn your Jesus profile to private, only visible to my super churchy friends who I don't risk upsetting. Now, following Jesus is a bold and public identifying with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so from the launch of Mission Point 10 years ago, boy, we get super hype about baptisms because it's a reminder what this whole thing is about. People who have come from death to life in Jesus Christ and want the world to know about it. Jesus saved me and I want y'all to know. This is a powerful moment. These are the moments we ought to live for. These are the moments that align with the priority of Jesus. These are the moments that line up with a heartbeat of Jesus. I don't know what stuff gets you excited in this world. But Lord, by your spirit, may you bring us back to the place that what excites us most. People coming to life and then letting everyone know I live for the person of Jesus. So again, excuse us if we get a little hype about baptism and excuse us if we get a little obsessed about seeing people come to life and make this bold and public proclamation. We could not be more thrilled to, to stand with those who are standing publicly with Jesus today. What an amazing, amazing thing. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, And you're ashamed to let it be known. You may even have gotten dipped one time. But you are not living the heart of the command to be baptized. It's more than a moment. It's a lifestyle of being very, very, very unashamed of the fact that you roll with Jesus. If it is not known to the people in your world, you've got to ask yourself, why is that? And you may need to get baptized at work or something on social media. Do social media baptism. I just, listen, I've been too quiet about it. I want to go public. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. He's rescued me. And life is available to you too. I'm just asking, is the church (laughs) baptism bold in the way we live our lives? This community will be transformed by a movement. And we could not be more excited about the ways he's inviting us to be part of raising up a movement of bold Jesus followers. Do with it what you want, but I roll with Jesus. We get to celebrate that today. But it doesn't just call for bold followers. Jesus says, listen, I also want you to prioritize calling obedient followers. Uh, Verse 19 again, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I don't just roll with Jesus. I roll with the Father. And man, I live by the Spirit and let it be known. Verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. I wish we could just talk and be honest about the fact that this is not the stuff that excites the church anymore. I mean, because in my own consumerist heart, I read a passage like this and I'm like, honestly, I wrestle with like, but Lord, how do we make this exciting? I mean, like, ah, 
It's just people coming from death to life and just boldly proclaiming you and and stuff. And Kondo, does anything matter more than that? No, actually it doesn't. So heal my heart in those ways. Does anything matter more than a movement of people who are living their lives to honor and obey me? No, really not. Jesus calls for obedience. To follow Jesus is to do all that he says above everything else. There's only one version of disciple in this book. It's someone who is learning what Jesus says and then learning to do what Jesus says. And so again, from from the start of, of this church movement, we understood that, man, This is what the church is called to do. To teach a a radical obedience to the person of Jesus. That's why it's always mattered to us uh, that we weren't just inviting people to life in Jesus. But that we were inviting people, calling people to live their lives for Jesus. That's why it's always mattered to us to call people to do things that may seem a little bit crazy, but yet we can't avoid the fact that Jesus has commanded us to do this. Y'all, that church that is, is into like, you know, like orphans and vulnerable kids, like, man, that's an interesting angle. How'd you guys land on that? Well, you know, because Jesus said, it wasn't something we went down the list and thought like, man, what are the most interesting things that will, 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 will sell well? And we've wanted to just continue to grow in learning and leaning into what Jesus says. If you've been here for any amount of time, then you know it matters to us to teach his word. And then to convince people to live in light of his word above all else. Because with all authority in heaven and on earth, Jesus ordered us as a matter of priority, teach people to obey everything that I've commanded you. I'm telling you, this is what matters most to me, and this is what should matter most to you. Teach them to obey what I've said above culture, above trends, above feelings, above the impulses, above political party. Teach them what I have said and to live in light of that. Um, And um, we believe Jesus is calling us to to do this even in more meaningful and more intentional and more accelerated ways in the days to come. And we could not be more excited. I don't know if I told you, but I was super hyped, not just about baptism, but some of the doors that the Lord is opening for us to say yes to his priority orders even more and more in the coming days. Not just on Sunday. But what does it look like for us to learn together and grow together the other six days of the week? For our kids and for our students and for men and women's groups and whoever else. Because we want to live this out. Do you have a growing hunger for what Jesus says and to do what Jesus says?
Again, I wish we could talk more about this and just have one of those like open, honest, vulnerable church moments. Like, is this really what we're doing? Because this is what we're called to. Uh, most of the time, I feel like I'm driven by my five-year goal, or I'm driven by what I want to see happen in my kids' lives, or I'm driven by, you know, what, whatever my next landmark is, you know, in the work front or the work world. And I often forget, no, it's, I need to be in this book learning more of what it says so I can live it out. Uh, Then Jesus gives the most incredible promise as this wraps. As you make my priority your priority, you can be assured my presence will go with you. Um, Verse 19, again, let's read the whole thing. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, because it's a bold movement, and then teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, because disciples grow in obedience. And surely, as you do this, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is one of the most incredible promises in all of scripture. Jesus just started by saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And as you live my priority, I will accompany you with all of my authority into whatever spaces you dare to venture. Into whatever places you invite people to life. Whenever you stand boldly in my name, I will be with you with all authority. Whenever you take the risk of saying, this is what Jesus says, and this is what I want to do, you can be assured I will accompany you. This is one of the most incredible promises. And I'm just asking, do you believe this? The accompanying of his authority. I, I struggle with it. I, I want to grow to believe this more. Because I'm still way too ashamed. You know. Of Jesus. And talking about Jesus. And inviting dying people to life in Jesus. And the reason for that is I feel self-conscious. And you know why? Because it's like man but the culture. And so I feel like I'm an imposter. And then I have to like interrupt people. Like excuse me. I'm sorry to bother you. And I realize I'm a nuisance. that I have no right to be here talking about Jesus. But you know do you mind if I maybe share something. And I feel super sheepish. What if they don't like it? What if they disagree? What if they're cynical? What if they're skeptical? Because I forget Wait a minute, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus and with his authority he has fully authorized me which means there will never be a place I go where it's not okay to talk about Jesus. And not only do I go with every ounce of all authority whenever I'm living this out but he's with me. The question is if I really believed that Because I remember how I rolled up into a place when my dad was with me. There was a little extra swag. I might even start picking fights I didn't need to pick. Because dad was with me. I'm telling you church, if we believed this. Well, in our company, at our organization, well, in these contexts, well, you know, we try and be a little bit delicate. Again, I'm not asking you to be a jerk. But I am saying, do you know what it means to have the presence of Jesus with you and to be fully authorized? Your credential gets you anywhere with the gospel. Talk about him. It is never an interruption. Can I make an announcement? 
The culture is an infringement on Jesus' authority, not the other way around. All authority is his. This is his world. And you have his kids walking around like, I'm not sure if maybe, I don't live like that in my house. Do you? I'm not sure if I should get into this bed because it's, well, it's your bed. And I'm just telling you, this is his world. And our cues ultimately come from him. Do you even understand that person that you've maybe felt the sense that you should share with, but you've been a little bit timid. But what about all of their questions? And what about their cynicism? Do you understand what all authority has the power to do to cynicism? Just invite them to life. Let him worry about that. I don't know why I'm so carried away, but man, I'm hyped. I may have mentioned that at the beginning. We are so excited about the ways that we get to do this even more. Um, Super hyped. Today is Baptism Sunday. And uh, we get to be reminded of what this whole thing is about. But we're also super hyped um, because, man, today is a day we, we get to share some exciting way in which we believe God is opening a door for us to do this now more than we ever have. And you get to be a part of it. I could tell you about it, but it's easier for me to show it to you. So, hey, check out this video. And it's awkward because I'm talking in the video and I have to hear myself. But, hey, super excited what the Lord is doing next. Well, hey there, Mission Point. You know what? I have waited 10 years to say this. Welcome home. I'm currently sitting in the heart of Winona Lake, Indiana, at what is currently the headquarters of CE National. And this is a place that we believe God is leading us to call home for our church family. You know, we've always had a place to get together as a church family to worship on Sunday mornings. But what we've never had is a place to grow together as a church family the other six days of the week. And we believe we finally found that place. A place that I believe our kids will make lifelong memories of hanging out and and having fun and getting to know Jesus, a place where I believe our teens will capture flags and will catch fire for the mission of Jesus Christ, Uh, a place where our church family gets to have potlucks and church picnics because the family's got to eat together, y'all, a place where we get to take prayer walks and just get better in touch with the heart of Jesus Christ, A, a place for men's groups and women's groups to to come together and just get to know each other and connect in meaningful ways. This is a place we believe God is calling us to call home, a place where our family gets to feel a little more like family. But you know what? We are more than just a family. We are a family on Mission. We exist to equip and to encourage a movement of people who show and share the love of Jesus Christ where we live, where we learn, where we work, where we play. We are called to be everyday missionaries. 
You know, when this church launched 10 years ago, one of the things that broke our hearts was learning that there are 50,000 men, women, and children in our own backyard who are unchurched. And we knew we had to do something about that. And the answer to that was not figuring out a way to convince 50,000 people to come to church. It was figuring out a way to convince the church to go out to the 50,000 people carrying the hope and the light and the love of Jesus Christ. And that mission has never changed. So this is more than just a family home. This is a mission headquarters. This is a place where together we get to grow to more passionately love the person of Jesus Christ and to be better prepared to more passionately live his mission. And we as a church could not be more excited for the opportunity that God is placing before us. Won't you join us in saying yes to making this place home? Man, we're hyped about this. Uh, We are so, so, so excited about the next steps the Lord is calling us to take. Um, We get to intentionally equip a movement of everyday missionaries. We are stoked um, about this. And uh, man, let me just give you some quick concrete uh, next steps. Uh, Phase one for us is we are uh, raising $200,000, which will serve as a down payment so that we can take ownership of this facility on May the 12th. And I would love for you to consider, to prayerfully consider what part you may get to play in that. Uh, Man, I'm so, so thrilled um, by the unity that our staff and our elders are all experiencing as we sense the Lord leading us this way together. And um, I'm humbled that, man, between the staff and, and the elders and a few early givers that we've already raised um, about $73,000 of that $200,000 mark. And so we're going to invite you to help us get the rest of the way there so we can get into that space and start to dream and live out the things the Lord is calling us to in the next chapter. But you know what? If the last 10 years have taught us anything, it has never been and will never be about a facility. It will always be about a facility that's on a mission, helping us to live out the priority mandate that Jesus has called us to. That's what's most exciting to us about this. It's a facility that will help us to actually experience more of what we're experiencing today because this is what it's all about. Seeing people come from death to life and go public with the fact and then Go out and invite others from death to life so they can go public and go out and invite others from death to life and so on until we see an awakening in our county that spills over into the rest of the world. It's always been about that and we trust God is just inviting us to do that even more. So hey, thanks in advance for being a part of it. But hey, right now we want to focus and celebrate what this whole thing is about a couple of baptisms. The